Happy Saturday, everyone. Welcome to Around the KVBL. I am your host, Troy Kennedy. It is playoff time in the KVBL. 82 games are now in the books. We are now down to a final 16 who are all hopeful they can win another 16 games and raise the famous and prestigious KJ Trophy at the end of the season. Who are 16 teams in? We're going to break that down for you. We're actually going to have a special guest on the show that will help us with our predictions. Um, I actually have another guest for you later on the show as well. We have a great show lined up for you. We're not just one, but two special guests for you. We're all going to get into that later. I don't want to spoil the fun for you guys quite yet. Um, We also have the draft lottery, the KVBL draft lottery as the 10 teams who either did not make the playoffs or held somebody else's pick, were part of after the conclusion of the regular season. We're going to get into that in just a little bit and tell you all about it and who is picking where. Um, From what we hear from the scouts, we're looking at an extremely deep draft class. There's been a lot of excitement about this draft class. Um, And it's one of those, you know, once every six, seven years, once a decade kind of talents in this in this draft class as well. Um, we're going to get into that all throughout the show. Also, for you guys, we were able to get a hands-on, some very um, intriguing info. As you guys know, every year the KVBL comes out with their Dynamic Duo Award. Um, the way that works is that every team, every GM has nominated two of the players to partake in the dynamic doer, um, where basically the league takes this, this set of players through every single stat category that we have. And basically we find out which duo is the most all around in the league. So I actually have all this information sitting in front of me. We're going to count down the top 10 for you. I will not go through the entire list as I know the KVBL will eventually release that information on their website um, throughout the weekend. So we don't want to spoil all the fun, but we will at least go through the top 10 as that is fun. However, first, we had the KVBL draft lottery last night after the remaining games were finished. Um, Ten teams, actually nine teams technically in it as the Los Angeles Lakers are lucky enough to hold two picks in this very deep draft. So that should help the Lakers gain, get some more talent around their core. Um, We're just going to go through it from 10, 10 to 1 and the scenario in which they ended up in there. Picking 10th are the Oklahoma City Thunder. They got that pick from the Los Angeles Clippers. Um, you know, the Clippers who made a pu- push very late in the season, even get in the playoffs, eventually fell short by just one game, leaving a lot of pick for the Thunder. However, there was no lot of luck as they got exactly the 10th pick as it was according to the lottery odds. In ninth, we have the Los Angeles Lakers with their own pick which means that pick actually fell as they had one of the worst records in the league. I believe they were third from the bottom um, in the Landros, but end up picking ninth. So that pick actually lost a couple of spots. In eighth, we have the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, you know, they just traded their three and four pick for number one this year. 
and we're hoping to get another number one with an extremely rare talent there to add on. However, they are picking eighth. In seventh, we have the New Jersey Nets, who normally have had quite a bit of draft luck and lot of luck. Um, this year, not so much. Their pick got stuck in seventh place. Um, however, as said, in this draft, you're going to get a pretty good player regardless, so they should be happy with that. In sixth, we have the Los Angeles Lakers again, who end up getting a pick via the Memphis Grizzlies. So the Lakers are picking six to nine, so that should be should be fun for them adding two good talents. In fifth are the Seattle Supersonics who got that pick from the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, now, Seattle did end up making the playoffs. They almost fell out um, and then, you know, came up with a late push, had an incredible last 10 games of the season, played extremely well down the stretch and not just managed to hold off the Clippers, but actually jumped the Blazers in the seventh place. Um, and, Having a very interesting matchup coming up in the first round with the Atlanta Hawks. We're going to get into that later, but that's one of those matchups I think a lot of GMs in the league and our fans are looking forward to. In fourth place, we have the Las Vegas Timberwolves. Um, you know, they've been pretty much in hibernation all season. Um, now get to add another nice talent and see what they will do to their core of Ochoa and Gilbert. In third, we have the Sacramento Kings who finally get to be part of the draft again, you know, after some hard cap problems and have the forfeited pick. They're back at it and getting a top three pick is a pretty good way to start. In second, we have the Houston Rockets who get another high pick. Um, you know, they're just getting stronger every year. They're getting closer, closer and closer to being, being part of a, you know, making a playoff run. And getting themselves in and adding another another top tier talent will not hurt that. So look out for the Rockets moving forward. And in number one, the Cleveland Cavaliers with the ultimate lotto luck getting a top pick. You know, a team that many people were disappointed in this season, um, having showed so many good signs last season. This year, the wheels fell apart early, fell off the wagon. They could never really, you know, get out of the hole they dug and end up being, you know, missing the playoffs quite handedly. However, nothing will, you know, help a wound like a bad season, like getting the number one pick. So I'm sure despite a very disappointing season, there's nothing but excitement and enthusiasm in Cleveland getting the top pick. So that was your lotto draft or your lottery we know who's picking where this draft is going to be exciting as a lot of new talent and deep deep class with talent is coming into the kvbl so we'll see what that will do to these teams they are now hoping to add to their to their squad and start to compete with that said let's get into the dynamic duo let me break it down to you one more time how this works so Every team had nominated two players off their squad that the league then cross-referenced between every single stat category that we have. So points per game, two-point two percentage, uh, free-throw percentage, three-point percentage, rebounds, assists, turnovers, and blocks. Your ranking within that category, we will add up those points 
And the idea is to get the fewest points possible. As you know, the higher you're on the ranking, the lower the number you will be. So the least amount of points will help you out. I will take you guys through the top 10. All right, if you guys are ready. In 10th place, we have from the Toronto Raptors, the team of or the duo of Carlson and Huertas. They ended up with a total of 110 points. If we go through their their stats real quick, or not necessarily their stats, but their rankings, um, Carlson Huertas were 23rd in the league in points per game, 23rd in the league in two-point percentage. They were 15th in the league in free throw percentage. They were the top team in the league, or top duo, I should say, in three-point percentage. They were 11th in rebounds, 12th in assists, 8th in steals, um, 6th in turnovers, with that obviously being the least amount of turnovers, and they were 11th in blocks, giving them a total of 110, and that will put them in the 10th spot. All right, moving on. Number 9 from the Seattle Supersonic. Sonics, Darwin, Peter Jr. and Barber. Alan Barber were the ninth best dynamic duo. They finished with 108 points. And if we take them through their listings, they were 15th in points per game. They were 19th in two-point percentage, 21st in field goal, I mean free throw percentage, 21st in three-point percentage. They were fourth um, in rebounds. They were third in assists. They were third in steals. They were 13th in turnovers. And they were fourth in blocks. So quite all around, especially with the defensive playmaking, is what really helped their ranking. So they were in ninth place, 108 points. Moving on. Um, in eighth place with 101 points from the Los Angeles Clippers, Dino Doss and Freya Dreyer. Going through, going through their rankings, they were 14th in points. They were 15th, 15th in two-point percentage. They were number two. In free throw percentage, they were number nine in three point percentage. They were nineteenth in rebounds, fourth in assists, second in steals, twenty sixth in turnovers. So the one thing that I need to improve on, and they were tenth in blocks. Now I'm not going to go through and tell you all the actual numbers of that, as that will all be released on the um, KVBL website at some point this weekend, from what I hear. Alright, so moving on and we're getting to number 7 from the Charlotte Hornets, KB Bryant and Dwayne Boudreaux. Let's take a look at them. They were 6th in points per game. They were ninth in 2 point percentage. They were 4th in free throw percentage. They were 18th in 3 point percentage. They were 15th in rebounds, 11th in assists. 7th in steals, 16th in turnovers, and 12th in blocks, giving them a total of 93 points, putting them as our 7th best dynamic duo. 
In sixth place, we have from the Philadelphia 76ers, Masio Tanner and Mr. Barkley. They finished with a total of 91 points. And if we go through them, they were number two in the league in points per game, 13th in two-point percentage. They were the top free throw shooting duo in the league. They were number three in three-point shooting. They were 20th in rebounds, 13th in assists, 19th in steals. They were the best team in turnovers, not giving the ball away. And they were 19th in blocking, giving them a total of 91 points and making the sixth best duo. Number five. Um, number five, definitely one of my favorite duos. From the Golden State Warriors, we have Richie Weebs and Rel Ballard. Weebs and Ballard were our top scoring duo in the league. They were number five when it comes to two-point percentage. They were number three in free throw percentage. They were number 22 in three-point percentage. They were number five in rebounds, number nine in assists, number nine in steals, number 10 in turnovers, and number five in blocks, giving them a total of 90 points and putting them as the number four dynamic duo in the KVBL. In fourth place, from the Phoenix Suns, we have Mr. Cage and Jacob, uh, Jake Casati, uh, sorry. Um, Cage and Jack were the fourth best team or fourth best duo. They had 87 points. If we go through the stat lines, they were third in the league in points. They were the number one uh, two-point percentage team. They were 25 in free throw shooting. They were number five in three-point shooting. They were number two in rebounds, number five in assists, number 11th in steals, number 22 in turnovers, and number 13 in blocks per game at a total of 87, putting them in fourth. All right, we are going into our top three. I'm going to give you guys a second to maybe guess to yourself, see if you guys can figure out who our top three teams or duos are. In third place, with a total of 81 points, from the Vancouver Lions, we have Christian Jimenez and we have Luke Dolan. Jimenez Dolan were the 13th best team when it comes to points per game. They were number 10 in two-point percentage. They were number 18 in free-throw shooting. They were number 8 in three-point shooting. They were the best rebounding team in the league. They were number 24 in assists, number 4 in steals, number 2 in turnovers, and also the top blocking duo in the league, giving them a total of 81 points, making them our third best duo. Number 2, with a total of 75 points, from... The New Orleans Jazz, Merlin Rohr and Tyrese Mason. They, if I can find their stats here, they were number five in total points scored. They were number four in field, a number, I mean, two point percentage, number six in free throw shooting, 
their second best three-point shooting team. They were number seven in rebounds, number seven in assists, 24th in steals, 12th in turnovers, and they were number eight in blocking, giving them a total of 75 points. So that's pretty impressive that they were top 10 in every category except for steals and turnovers. Leaving us with number one, which is the one team we haven't heard from yet. Well, I mean, there are several since we only did the top 10. However, from the Miami Heat, the best dynamic duo is Delaney Watson and Milo Hughes. A total of 72 points took the crown. Let me take you through their stat line. They were 8th in total points scored. They were 6th in uh, 2 point percentage. They were ninth in free throw percentage. They were 12th in 3 point percentage. They were 4th in rebounding. 14th in assist. 10th in steals. They were seventh in turnovers, and they were the number two best blocking duo, giving them a total of 72 points. Um, congratulations to Mr. Watson, Mr. Hughes. You guys had a phenomenal season. I know you guys are looking to continue doing that in the playoffs in a fun first-round matchup with the uh, Golden State Warriors. If you guys remember... One of our hot takes on the last show was the Golden State Warriors making it out of the Maynard as the representative in the KBBL Finals and playing for their first ever KJ Trophy. About to find out if that's going to come true. We are going to take a short break on the show. When we come back, we will have an interview with none other than the current MVP. Yes, MVP Richie Weebs will be on the show. I am so excited to talk to this man. I am a huge fan of, of Mr. Weebs. Cannot wait to talk to him. So please stay with us after these short messages from our proud sponsor, Binfo Tools. We'll be back with a great interview. Thank you. Welcome back, and now I am joined by the reigning MVP, the man from the Golden State Warriors, Richie Weebs. Richie, welcome to the show. Yes, thank you. Thank you for having me. I'm a really big fan of the show. Uh, not as big of a fan as we are of you. Uh, I mean, we followed you ever since you got into the league. This year has been a spectacular season for you, not just for you personally, but also for the team. Um, you know, MVP is obviously nothing to nothing to sneeze at, especially in this league. If you look at your stat line, you're scoring about thirty two points a game. You're doing out of fifty three percent shooting. Um, both those numbers have gone up significantly from from last season. Um, you're also adding sixteen rebounds a game, three and a half assists, one and a half steals, and almost two blocks. Talk to me, why is this season going so well for you? This season's going very well for me because um, I've been working a lot more on my shooting, my consistency, and I've been watching a lot more film, not only on myself, but on our opponents. Where do you think that's really helped you on the court? I mean, I'm not forcing things anymore, and I'm really working with what the defense gives me. Well, you know, you're taking quite a bit. You've, you, know, you and your team have been playing really well. 
Um, talk to me about your team and your teammates. Why do you think you know things are going as well as they are? I mean, our team is clicking. Everyone has elevated their game to the point where I'm getting a lot more opportunities now. Yeah, and with that we can see with your with your point totals. So, you know, your team really took the next step and elevated itself after the trade with the Nets where Rel Ballard uh came in onto the team. Tell me why did why did he make such a big impact? He made such a big impact because I mean first practice he was with us, we did a little scrimmage. He was on my team and just minute it started we are in sync pass for pass dunk for dunk everything from that day on completely in sync um well you guys certainly look like you're having a lot of fun in the court together and you know the media kind of gave yourself the, the fun nickname the splash brothers um is that something you guys are rolling with or do you guys call yourself something else i mean we don't we didn't come up with a name. We're just going to Splash Bros because the media gave us that and we didn't really think of anything. So we thought, why not? Well, I mean, it's you guys are certainly making a splash in the league. Um, so you guys, you know, sitting currently in the in the fourth seed um, with the playoffs starting soon. You guys have a first-round matchup with the Miami Heat. You know, the Heat just won the KVBL not too long ago. They battle-tested. They have a former MVP on the team and Delaney Watson. Talk to me about your matchup with the Heat. How do you feel? I mean, I feel like we are one of the be- we are one of the best teams no matter what in the KBL, and I mean, just it's great to know that we're gonna face. I'm gonna face a former MVP, and knowing that I can actually prove that I might be better than him, and I can size myself up to him as a player. It's gonna be a very intriguing and fun matchup indeed. Um, let's say you guys managed to make it through the first round and, and beat the Heat. How do you feel about, you know, moving on? How confident do you guys feel that you guys can do some damage in this playoffs? I mean, we have all elevated our game. We are playing so well right now. I feel like we'll take it all the way because there's not one team in this league that we're afraid of. I don't think you should, you should be. So um, that's going to be exciting to see. So one thing about you that I always wondered is I watch you on the court and you're so emotional and you play with so much energy and you drag your teammates along and you get the crowd involved and you get them hyped up. But that's not really you as a person, is it? Because if, you, if I look at you, you're not really on social media. You don't really do a lot of interviews. You're certainly not the first guy looking for the camera, you know, off the court. Tell me about the difference. I mean, I like to keep my actions on the court because I'm not... I don't really like, it's not that I don't like the media. I just don't want to be part of the media. I just want to keep my actions on the court. And you've done plenty of that, and we are very, very happy for that. Um, tell me, who is your favorite player to hang out with outside the court? It had to be Rel. I mean, because, I mean, we always hang out, we go to dinner, we practice a lot. And, matter of fact, in the upcoming off season, I'm going to his wedding. Well, that should be. That should be. Are you part of? Are you in the wedding? Yes, I am his best man. Well, look at that. Look at that. That's. I mean, you guys haven't really known each other for that long. As I mean, as teammates. But did you guys know each other from before or? No. The only time we really, I mean, I knew him before he came to us. I mean, I didn't know him as a person. I just knew him as a player. But when, 
when he came to Golden State to play with me, that's when we, that's I said we really clicked. I hear you. Well, I mean, I said you clearly are clicking off the court and on the court. Um, something I want to talk to you about, you know, you've been in this league now. This is your seventh season. And looking at, you know, looking at your career, so you came in super hyped as the number one picked or number one pick that obviously can't be easy. Um, you had a fairly, fairly good, you know, first season. Then you kind of hit a little bit of a sophomore slump in the second season, and your numbers kind of went down a little bit. Any particular reason to that? I mean, tell me what happened there. I mean, when I came in as a rookie, Golden State didn't put a whole lot of pressure on me, and I didn't. I mean, I had expectations. I didn't have real high ones, but as soon as I hit my sophomore year, I I really slumped because that's when I felt like I had a lot more expectations on me, and I started just going down. Did you feel like the expectations were put on you by the team, or was it you doing it to yourself? I felt like it wasn't the team. I feel like they thought I was playing good enough to where I was going to get to the potential I was supposed to, but I just felt like since I was number one pick, I thought I, ha- I have to do better than the way I am. So, Of course, and you know, I mean, coming being number one pick comes with a certain expectations and pressure but you know after your little slump sophomore year you've gone nothing but upwards and here you are now reigning mvp um how important is this award for you i mean accolades are good to have but it's better i mean i'm not satisfied until i win a championship until i win a championship i am going to elevate people around me see more about everybody else around you yep I mean, that's being part of the team, so we like to hear that. Um, last question for you. I know, I know you got to run here. Who is your favorite player in the KVBL? Um, the Johnson kid from the Bulls. I mean, he's, he's a big force in the game, and he's just very fun to watch. Everybody likes some Zion. Um, would you would you want to play with him one day, or do you think that's never going to happen? I honestly don't think um, that it would happen, but it'd be nice to play with him. Can you imagine talk about another set of Splash Brothers with, you know, Richie Weebs and Zion Johnson? That'd be something. Anyway, Richie, I really appreciate you coming on the show. I know this is not something you really like to do, but I uh, appreciate you. You're taking the time for us. Um, Good luck rest of the season. We'll be rooting for you, and we hope to see you soon again. Thank you, sir. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that was our MVP, Richie Weebs. Uh, Fun to have him on the show. You know, he's not much of a media-friendly guy normally, but we're so excited that we could have him on here. Shortly, we'll be joined by our prediction expert, the man who will be drafting number one in this upcoming draft. We will have the GM of the Cleveland Cavs coming up, helping us with our playoff predictions. Um, Join us back after these short messages from Binfoot Tools. And we are back, and now I am joined by our expert, analyst and the gm of the cleveland cavaliers kyle welcome to the show thanks for having me 
I'm so happy to have you on, my friend. Um, before we get into this, just I know we're not here to talk about the Cavaliers, but there was some exciting news coming out of Cleveland as you guys won the draft lottery yesterday. I know it was a kind of disappointing season as a whole, but nothing um, heals those wounds in a number one pick. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say I expected it. A jump is nice. I think I was sliding in at seven over on the lotto odds. So, overall, I, I, clearly I was happy jumping. But this this was a great lotto to be a part of. It looks like the prospects, you know, our scouting department loves a bunch of the upcoming prospects. We have our eye on two guys at, at the top of the list. We haven't actually made our decision yet. But um, the lotto gods gifted us as uh, many GMs will say that I am just going to be lucky and that's why I am where I am and it is what it is there's not much I can do about the lotto luck um, I had really bad luck at the start of the the um, the league when we when we switched over to 4.0 so I'm not going to sit here and, and be apologetic about it because I uh, I didn't have great luck and unfortunately, one of the GMs that is not happy with it actually found a way to dip himself out of the playoffs the first year and jumped from 10 to one. So, you know, for him to say that tanking pays, you know, I learned from him. I, I hear you. I hear you. Well, I mean, every championship needs some type of luck in it at some point. So maybe this is the start of another one for Cleveland. Uh, but with that said, we are about to go into playoffs. I mean, as we know, the Cavaliers are not going to be part of it, but we do have 16 other teams into it. So if you're ready, let's dive into it. Yeah, I'm all set. I'm excited to, you know, piss off some people with my analysis. All right, fantastic. That's nothing more than we want to do. Um, all right, so I'm going to name you the matchup. You give me your thoughts. And then we on the show, we made a prediction as well. So we'll see if we're going to be in the same page or contradict one another. Um, let's start with the one and eight matchup in the Landers. We have the Bulls um, against the uh, number eight seed in Indiana Pacers. You know, there's not a lot to say. I, I think Crest kind of hit it on the head when uh, I was talking to him that this was just a bad season for him to not to be 30 and 52 and just not be able to make the lotto with how good the lotto was this year. Um, you know, he turned his whole roster over pretty much. Um, he's got Spider God and Bapple, a bunch of young kids. They just don't have it against the Bulls. I I I don't see how they even, you know, maybe maybe the Spider God goes off a game. Um, maybe, you know, I just don't see how they stop Zion. I have the Bulls 4-0. And I don't know that it'll be particularly close. Well, I mean, we are in agreement there with you here. Um, I mean, if you look at the regular season, the Bulls did go 5-0 and against the Pacers. And it didn't look like any of the games were particularly close. We also have the Bulls winning in a sweep. Um, moving on to the 1-8 and matchup. In the main round, we have the New Orleans Jazz versus the number 8 Portland Trailblazers. Um, if you look at the regular season, the Jazz won that series four games to one. Give me your thoughts. So, I I know that um, the GM of the Jazz is very analytical. He's more like the Daryl Morey type where 
he finds players that fits his system and he finds it for more. He says he finds it for playoffs more so than he does for regular season. And with that said, um, I was, I'm going to be honest. I, w- I was wrong. I didn't love the trade of Barber. Um, sorry. I didn't love the trade of, of Barber for George. I actually, I thought he got worse. I didn't think that they'd have enough scoring. Um, Clearly, Roar is more than enough. Guy is an absolute stud, and he, you know, he makes up for his lack of defense with his insanely efficient scoring. Um, I just don't know how Ricky can actually score with them. I'm not sure that the the Blazers have have it all to be able to to do that. Um, Rivera is good, but I I don't know how how they score with them. I don't know how they stop the combination of Roar and Fallwell. Um, I just I don't see it on the roster, and it's funny. Um, Ricky made the comment in the chat, you know, name the top player from each of the eight playoff teams, and you know, you go through. He's talking Maynard specifically, and you go through, and it's like, you know, Fallwall, Jericho, Cage, Weebs, Watson, Cameron, DPJ, and then Blazers is Rivera. I think that's just a very telling sign of where. I mean, you list, you just basically listen to who's who of who's best in the KVBL and then Rivera. Nothing against Rivera. Yeah, we put Rivera great, in that conversation. Yeah, that's. I think he's great. Like, I think he's a good role player, but I, you know, being talked about as the best player on a playoff team, I, I mean, I would be very shocked to see this go more than five games. Um, I have it as 4 1 just because, you know, maybe there's foul trouble. I, Anything can go. JSB can J- JSB will do what it wants, and maybe it wants the Jazz to sweat again. So, who knows? But I I don't see this being a series that RWE is going to have to sweat out all that much. No, we're we're in agreement there. We have the uh, the Jazz winning four games to one as well, and we just think I mean the Blazers. You know they were feisty all season long, and they, they took some good wins here and there, and I think they're going to be able to steal one. Um, you know. If, if you can call a home game a steal, but I think they're going to win one at home. Um, well, it might be, you know, game four when they're already down 3-0, but I think they get one. Um, but ultimately, you know, Jazz is going to be way too much. Um, well, and you, if you look at what the Blazers did at home, 26-15 and 15 is nothing in that, in that conference is still really respectable for a home record. So yeah, I, I, I don't think you're wrong in saying that that's where they would get it. I'd be really shocked if they go home at 1-1. Like, I think it's going to be a 2-0 deficit going home. I, I agree with you on that one. Um, I Jumping back over to the Landros, where we have the 2-7 and seven matchup. We have the Toronto Raptors, and we have the Boston Celtics. If we look at the regular season, um, the Raptors took that series four games to one, and three of those wins were on the road. Um to me, though, it looked like the Celtics overall played much better on the road, especially towards the end of the season than they did at home. Tell me your thoughts. You know, as much as I want to take into account what goes on um, in the regular season, we know, looking back, it really hasn't meant that much. Um, for reasons that you might have a guy out of position. You might not have a guy set to the right thing for that particular team that will change something. Um, with that said, 
I just think that the Lions' defense is too good for the the Celtics in general. I think that you know you mean the I, Raptors. Uh, oh, you're right. We, I am so sorry. yeah. We got the Raptors. I wrote Celtics. it wrong. So I, you know, you said the Raptors, and I clicked the Lions. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, so looking back, I my notes are going to be a little jumbled for for those two matchups. So I apologize. Um, so I I've talked to Chili. A, a decent amount about his team going through uh, probably about a year when he drafted Huertas, I actually traded out. That would have been who I drafted when I, when I traded with the Knicks, when Barkley got uh when I got the third pick for Barkley and then I traded back with X, I would have taken Huertas and I had talked to him and I said, I like him, but I've never been like a big fan of starting a rebuild with like a defensive role player. I just don't see that as like a, a, a winning strategy because he's going to be your highest paid guy at some point And you're not even sure your direction yet. Like, and you don't know what position you need these role players at. So he had already had like a, a base to his team. And I like, I like their team. I just don't really love their matchup overall with the Celtics. Um, I think that he, while the Raptors won, at the Celtics and have dominated them. I think that with a few tweaks and I'm not going to go into detail, I actually think that the Celtics could win this. Now, will he tweak it? Will he make a, a DC change? I, I don't know that Massey has that in him. All I know is that if Floyd, the my issue with Floyd will come into fruition in this series and that's, you can't hide him. You know where his volume is going to be. And I would be thoroughly shocked if Huertas isn't just, position directly on him and make somebody else beat him and if that that's the case and if you know if Massey doesn't want to make a DC change I know he can't move Floyd but he can move other pieces to you know try to gain an advantage I just I don't know that he has it and I think Chile has the balls to make the the DC move that is necessary so I'm going to take the Raptors 4-2 but I wouldn't be shocked if the Celtics come back and win this if they won the series, but I think that Chile in his DC will, will get Massey in this one. Um, I'm with you that the Raptors are winning. I went back and forth um, all day with, you know, what number of games. And I actually eventually went going that this is going to go seven. Um, you know, the Celtics going to come. I think the Celtics can come up with something to, to make this a lot more competitive than it looks on paper. Um and I think the Celtics actually have it, you know, I have them leading 3-2 and then, you know, the Raptors figuring their life out and then game seven isn't even close. Uh, that's the way, that's the way this, this story I wrote. We'll see how that happens. The Raptors are moving on regardless, um, but the Celtics are going to basically have some rude chances if, if my prediction comes true. Um, with that said, let's jump back to the main art uh, with the same matchup, the two of the seven. I think one of the most anticipated matchups of this first round playoffs as we have the Atlanta Hawks, the two seed against the number seven seed Seattle Supersonics. Um, that series throughout the season was tied at two, but the Sonics did win the last two matchups that they had. What do you got? Well, the Sonics were my pick before the season. And I'm, me, just, correct. I'm just a big DPJ fan. Um, I think he covers a lot of areas 
lot of holes. You know, he's not the best rebounder, but he does enough. He gets – he can – I mean, his court vision is incredible. Um, and, you know, he's an overall great defender at, at both forward positions. It, you know, by far, I think, the best defender in the league um, with Jericho, his counterpart, right behind him. Now, I don't know what um, Omar plans to do defensively. Um it looks like BJ kind of has a, a starting lineup set. Um, so I, I'd be shocked if he goes away from that, that in what got him the 65 wins. It would be really hard for him to make a DC change. So you kind of know where guys are on the Hawks. Cause I don't think Pescador plays anything but small forward. Um, so I, without moving pieces around, you know where Jericho and Evans are going to be. They're going to see DPJ, and they're going to see um, LJJ. So can they slow them down? Yeah, but as much as I want to pick the Sonics, and I was the one that made the pick against the Sonics the year they won. I took the Hawks in seven, and they actually were up 3-2 and lost in seven. Um, and, you know, I remember Smath saying, I think the Sonics won game one by like 40 and Smath was like, good pick Kyle. And then the Hawks won three. And I think they actually won three in a row and the, the Sonics came all the way back. And um, I'm going to go the other way. I think that the Hawks win. And I, 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 I think they win four, two. Um, the team's way better built than I thought. I'm again, not an Evans fan, but he played well for them. Um, shooting guard is probably more of his position. And I just – I think that he is going to be able to slow the Sonics scoring down. I just – I don't see it scoring-wise. It's also uh, – Marco Ferrer is going to have to play a big role as like a secondary defender on Evans to really stop the scoring. Um, yeah, he's going to have to bench Whitaker possibly to start Barber and Peters where he wants to, to line them up defensive offensively and defensively against the Hawks. And that's just a a rough matchup for him. Yeah. This would be the first one that you and I are going to disagree on. Um, I think this is the one matchup that the Sonics really, really wanted. Um, I think that Omer's on a mission to prove everybody wrong and, you know, get the throw in everybody's face about Evans, who he's been bashing, I mean, since day one. Um, we all know how good Omer is when it comes to DCing, and I think he's going to have have something up his sleeve. I have the Sonics winning this in seven games. Again, um, I, I, I'm not shocked by that pick. I... I like the pieces the Sonics have. I just there's something about Jericho and he makes everybody on that team better. Um I'm I'm sticking to my guns of my pick from four minutes ago and not my guns from the beginning of the season. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. And I mean Jericho has been phenomenal. So for for the Sonics to have to have a chance to win this, that's the guy they absolutely have to slow down. The question is, can you even do it? Um and here's the thing. If DPJ can't do it, then there's absolutely nobody on this planet that will be able to do it. So, uh, Correct. I, moving moving on, going through the three and six matchup in the Landros, and we got the Vancouver Lions 
versus the sixth seed in the Denver Nuggets. Um, that one, the regular season, um, the Lions won three to two. Um, but the Nuggets did win their last two home games against uh, the Lions. And, you know, overall, the Nuggets actually been fairly good at home. It's been the road play that's been the iffy part. But at home, they've been pretty dangerous. So can they make a series out of this? I think they can. And I think that they're I'm, – I'm doing this on the fly because I screwed up my, my two matchups in this, and I apologize for that to your listeners. But doing this, I still have notes on the Nuggets. Their trade worked really well for them. They had a couple of nice wins over playoff teams in the final, the final couple of weeks of the season. Um, Tesco slotted in, gives them two scoring, got you know Tesco's, and then you have Walls Walls. I never know how to say his name. Walzaki. You know Walls, so Walzaki. Mavsi yeah. Walzaki. So he's got scoring punch off the bench. He still has Simpson, who just needs to apparently stop shooting threes because he's scoring at will inside. But he, you know, he's throwing up a bunch of threes a game and he, he's not hitting anything. So he's got a good team. I think he can make a series out of it. Um, the and here's the thing with offensive or defensive point guards in general. So as good as Brun as good as Boxman is defensively, if you look at Brunson, Brunson just he doesn't he's not a, a scoring type. Like he scored 14, but it's not gonna if he scores eleven, it's not gonna change their team all that much. You know, he was the third most shots even behind KJ, but KJ got to the line almost six he gets to the line 622 times so clearly the ball was in his hands way more i just i think that they are the lions are too balanced for this nuggets team and their overall team defense between forte dolan towels kj and brunson is just way too balanced over a seven game series to to lose four of those games i think it'd be really hard for them I think it can be a series, and by a series, I mean it might still only be 4-1, 4-2, but I don't think that the games are going to be blowouts. I think some of the better series sometimes are games that, you know, are won by two or three points. I, I, had, a series, I, I had a series against the Heat in the finals, and I, I lost three games in a row by three points or less. Yeah, I lost the series 4-1, but, I mean, a couple of plays down the stretch, and we're going to seven. Yeah, correct, correct. So, I actually, I mean, we have the Lions advancing too. Um, I think it's actually going to be tied at two after the first, uh, you know, the first two games, or first four games, I should say. Um, and then the Lions, you know, come out strong, take game five and take care of business in game six. But, I mean, the Nuggets are going to make a series out of this just because of the pure volume of scoring they can they can produce. Um, correct. It'll be interesting to see somebody like Jekros now and, and, and Simpson, you know, who haven't seen playoff action yet. So it'll be interesting to see um, how they will respond to it. So excited about and that. And their part. first playoff action is against the only team that gave the championship Bulls a, a scare last year. Correct. You know, and remember, the Lions are still my pick to go, to go through out of the Landros. So, you know, I'm going to be sticking my guns to that one. So we'll, we'll see how that works out. 
Um, but, you know, I think the Nuggets are definitely heading in the right direction. And I think this is going to be a, 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 a short tail series for them. So they should be excited about this opportunity. Um, uh, I, moving on to the same matchup in the main up where you have the Phoenix Suns with the best home record in the league as a number three seed facing the number six New York Knicks. Um, going through the regular season there, the Knicks actually uh, won that series three games to two, but all matches were, or all games were won by the home team in all five. So tell me your thoughts on this one. All right. So I actually have been in talks with the, the Knicks GM, and I actually, and I, I have regrettedly said that I like the trade Mason for Falwell. Um, Again, I wasn't looking – I'm not looking at the contract, but that played into it because I know that the Knicks couldn't really extend him. They were over the hard cap, and that was a worry, which I completely understood. And I'm, I've never been, like, a big uh, B-Rat guy because I just – I don't – his volume's not there enough for me. Um, but I think in this series, I think it matters. Um, I think you, you, you know where Cage – is going to be, you know, he's going to be on the wing. You got Hoskins, you have Bira. I'm actually, I'm, I'm taking the Knicks in an upset here. I'm taking them four, three. I think that they have the defensive wings to slow down cage. And we know that you stop cage, you stop the Suns. And, um, you know, I, I, they, I think that Cameron will destroy hammers because he pretty much destroys everybody. Just, you know, he plays way, way above what his skill set seems to be on a, on a daily basis. You know, you put the game tape on of Cameron and he, you know, he doesn't look like he should be doing anything. And then you look at the box score and he's he's 35 and 12 and, you know, he, he does it effortlessly. So I think he has another one of those games and uh, really just takes control of the series. And I think that they slow cage down enough. And without a secondary score, I think you're really going to see the, the trouble that they have. Um, you know, having some interest in this one, you know, with my, my, my brother-in-law being the next GM, obviously we've talked a lot about this series and I know that he was very excited about this matchup. Uh, I think he, he feels that the Knicks, you know, they are built for the playoffs and not necessarily for the regular season with how they can move pieces around. And I think they like this matchup. Um, so, you know, we're going to go with a gut here and we say the Knicks take this in six. Um, so, so we'll see what happens there. But I know that, you know, Knicks GM is very excited about this one and hoping, hoping they can do some damage. All right. Moving to the really interesting ones at four and fives that are always, you know, often go deep and go deep in this in the series um on the lander side you got the uh, four seed in the philadelphia 76ers against the five seed in the charlotte hornets now what is noteworthy right here is obviously that the hornets just lost their talisman and kb to an injury um the regular season set was actually won by the hornets three to two but and the hornets were the only ones that actually had a road win in this but once again, no key KB. This is going to be a tall ask for the Hornets. Or how do you feel? Um, without the injury, I think that the Hornets could sweep this series. Adding Boudreaux gave them a completely different team. 
because they're solid enough defensively and they can just score between Mookie, Ruzik, and KB. It was hard to stop them. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if they can play with Tanner and if Loggins will cause enough havoc over everybody to really just kind of slow the Hornets down without their go-to scorer. I, I don't know what they're going to look like in a playoff game in the last, you know, four minutes. KB is the one that wants that ball in his hands. Now who wants, who's going to get it for the Hornets? I just don't know. You know, who's going to have it for, for the 76ers. It's going to be Barkley or it's going to be Tanner. And I think I just trust them more without KB in this series. I'm going to take the 76ers. I'm going to take them four, two, but with the caveat that I would have had the Hornets four one had it not been for the KB injury. Yeah, um, we're also taking the 76ers. Actually, we think that the the loss of KB is way too much to overcome for the Hornets. I think they figure out ways to keep games close, but without KB, can't get over the hump. So we actually have the 76ers sweeping the Hornets in this one. Um, all right, to the same matchup in the Maynard, and the Golden State Warriors has a four seed with, you know, Current MVP, Richie Weebs against Delaney Watson's Miami Heat as a five seed. This is going to be a fun one. What do you think? Well, clearly the most entertaining matchup from, you know, for our, my perspective of somebody just watching uh, of the whole first round. Weebs has come a long way. He was clearly the number one pick when he came out and, and entered the draft, but he's just leaps and bounds better than even what his his base set looked like and he just does everything on the court I mean he makes players better and having a a point guard like Timkins really just solidified this team that was a great great move by their GM to really go out and get a, a a point guard to to lock down this team now that trade for Edison you know gives them they're able to move pieces around now um and Ballard, I don't even know how to say it. Ballard um, has been him and Weebs being able to switch between power forward center, depending on matchups and, you know, what they like is just, it's huge. Um, I, I think Watson's probably going to average 40 in this series because I don't know how they're going to stop him. Even putting Edison on it. I mean, he's only got a four post defense, so it's not really going to matter with, with how well Watson is on the inside. Um, but overall, I just think that the Warriors team is deeper and they have the player I think is better. So I'm going to take the Warriors in seven, but I would not be anywhere shocked if Watson, you know, puts in an all-time series, averages 40, and they win the series. Yeah, we also got the Warriors uh, moving on this one. Um and, you know, one of my hot takes on the last show was the Warriors actually going all the way through in the main arc. So there's no no backing down from that now. So the Warriors, to me, are going to win this series in six. I think that Weebs is going to show just, you know, why he is the MVP um, and just go absolutely bananas. Um, Watson is going to get his points. It's going to be tough to slow him down. I just don't think that he has enough um, of the support cast to – to elevate the heat. Now, what's interesting in this one, you know, they these two teams split the 
the season series two all, and they both won one at home and both won one on the road. So um, I don't think, I mean, I could see this being, you know, six games. And the one that makes a difference is when the Warriors finally win at home or something like that. You know, that this could be an absolute crazy series. It could go in any different kinds of ways. Um, but in the end, I believe in the Warriors and in Richie Weebs, and we have them winning in six. Um, so that completes the first round. Let's move on, if you're ready for that. I'm ready. All right, so... In the conference semis in the Landers, we now have the one and four seed playing with the Bulls against the 76ers. What do you got in that one? So, I just, I think there's too much firepower on the Bulls. As good as Loggins is, I just, he can't stop everybody. And you can put him at center and you can try to stop Zion. Um, and you can back him up with Mercer, who can block some shots. I just, they have Soto, they have Jones. That you can't stop them all. Barkley is as good of a defender as he is. He's not great. Um, I have the Bulls four-one, and it is not a knock. I, the Bulls are just really good, and you just look at their team. They're well-rounded. <clears throat> Holland was a great addition. Um, I think he's not talked about enough. Their team completely turned into what they were last year when that trade was made. And, you know, the Cavs, we were doing our own thing. So we, we weren't pertinent to what was going on as we were having our in-troubles trying to figure out our, our, our own team. But watching from afar, Holland changed that whole team. It gave them a, another scorer to go with Soto, Jones, and Zion, along with, you know, solid defender, which is kind of all you need from that spot. He's, just a, he's almost like an upgrade on, the, on Hoskins to an extent, because he adds a little bit more scoring if other guys are being stopped. So I have the Bulls 4-1. Um, yeah, we also have the Bulls. We actually have the Bulls 4-2. Um, the 76ers did win the, the season series three games to one and you know won the games all home. I think the 76ers can win a couple uh, at home. However, the Bulls will eventually steal the one on the road and then you know go home and clinch it. I also um, think two of the 76ers' wins were without Z- Zion, though. When I was going um, through, I think two of them went towards the end of the season, which were Zion was actually back. The, the last, the last two wins I saw, but I could also be wrong about this one. But there's definitely um, one win in there. There's one win in there without Zion for sure. So that you know that one we can discount. Now, uh, how much do you put in account that somebody like Baldwin is going to miss this, miss the playoffs for the Bulls? So I think it's going to affect them, but I think it's going to affect them against a better team. Yeah, I just I don't know that what he brought to the team, while substantial, you know, nine rebounds, almost two blocks a game, matters in games that I think will be closer. And I just I don't know that this series overall will be close. Yeah, he's gonna matter. He's gonna matter in the games against the Lions and or you know whoever comes out of the hellish Maynard. Um, I just. You know, and Arrow keeps putting together these teams, but he, you know we keep saying he he's having trouble getting over the hump of going getting to the conference final. I think he's only been to one final still. Yeah, he gets these teams that are good enough, but like he needs that one extra piece to really compete, and he he can't seem to find it. But with Bald, I just don't see Baldwin making his loss being a huge presence in this series alone. 
All right, so let's go through the same matchup in the main or in that semifinal. It's the one and four. So we got the New Orleans Jazz and the Golden State Warriors as the four seed. Um, once again, talk about another popcorn matchup. Um, this one, games, What? who do you got there? I think that the Jazz match up really well with the Warriors in this one. Um, I think somebody like between Elliot Mason, even George to an extent, it's just, it creates a different problem for, for weaves and Ballard than I think that they'll see in round one, even though Hughes is really good defensively, you don't have two of them. So one of them's always going to be, you know, presumably in a, in a plus matchup where against the jazz, there's a chance depending on how RWE does his lineup that they're in negative matchups the whole time. What I mean by negative is somebody that, you know, if Weebs is a eight drive, well, Elliott's an eight drive. And Mason's no slouch on defense either. So I think that they match up really well against the bigs of the Warriors. And I think that that's where you have to win the game. Um, I have the Jazz 4-2. And I, I, I have a feeling you're going to go the opposite way. I just really think that this matchup is probably the only one that I see a serious issue with for the Warriors. Um, you are correct. I did go the under, the other way. And yes, the matchup does scare me a little bit. But I think one of the places where um, I think the Warriors really have an advantage is with Timkins at point guard. Um, I think that's going to be that's going to be a huge difference there. But um, and, you know, George and Mason, yes, they're going to be able to slow weeds down to some degree. But I just don't think enough. Um, so I still, I still believe in golden state and I have them winning this in seven. Um, the, you know, the, uh, matchup or the, the series throughout the season went three and two, uh, both the jazz and the warriors won at least one game on the road. So they have shown to, you know, beat the other one away from home. I think this is going to come out. It's going to be like one, two positions here and there, um, and I'm just going to go with the Warriors. going to figure out a way to win this. And they go through in seven. All right. Let's go to the other semifinals uh, in the Landers, which is the two-seed Raptors and the three-seed, the Vancouver Lions. Um, talk to me. So Lions will have home, home court in this series. Yes. Even though it – because now it reverts to best record. Yeah. So even though – the Lions are technically the three seed. They have the home court advantage. Um, I just don't think the Raptors are ready to compete in a series with, with the Lions for a lot of the same reason that I said about the, the Nuggets kind of rings true with the Raptors. They have guys, but they don't have a huge score. They have defense, but they're not locked down. Um, the Lions are just very well-rounded. I, I have four, two because I trust that Chile will try to make some moves to like at least get a matchup in his favor so that maybe he can exploit that. And I think that's where he excels is he he's he's able to make a matchup in a certain series, his matchup. And that's what he's going to try to do. I just don't think they have enough firepower because even if they get a guy with a matchup, they don't have a ton of volume from any given guy other than Klein to – you know, really attack any sort certain matchup. So I'm going to go with the Lions 4-2. Um, 
but I I don't know that some of the games won't be complete blowouts. Um, I'm with you on that. I actually have the Lions four games to one. The uh, season series was four four to one in the Lions' favor, and you know it wasn't a ton of games that were necessarily close there. Um, the Lions are just too much to me for me for the Raptors. Um, the Raptors are still a couple of years away. They're definitely heading the right direction, and we're going to keep saying the name a lot come down the road. Um, but right now, this is just a good learning experience for them. Uh, Lions have just too much. So four games to one is what I got going on, and the Lions are moving on to the conference finals. Going to the other semifinals in the main are, and you got the six-seed Knicks and the seven-seed Sonics, which actually gives the Knicks the home court advantage. Talk to me here. So it would be a really crazy matchup. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk both ways because I – as much as you have the Sonics, I have the Hawks. So yes, I'm, correct. I'm gonna... talk, talk, absolutely right. So we have, obviously, that's the only one where we're different. So let's, let's make it both ways. So when, when it comes down to your, the matchup of Knicks versus Hawks, I just don't see how you stop Jericho, how the Knicks stop them. Um, as good as their wing defense is with Hoskins and Saxella, as good as Prawl is, um, Prawl doesn't force turnovers enough, I think, personally, to really make a difference. And for somebody that doesn't score a ton, he turns it over two times a game. And for that on Jericho is just a disaster because Prawl barely even shoots and he's turning the ball over two times a game. And I just think that that matchup right there just spells daggers for the Knicks. I just don't see how they they overcome all the that matchup in general. Now they can slow Evans, but I just think there's too much there with the Hawks and defensively and the clamps that they can put down on some of the shooters. You know he can run Brinson and Dolanek out all game at Cameron with all their blocks to try to just slow down. Their field goal and where blocks come into to play here, even yes, Evans has blocks too. They're one of the best rebounding, if not, I think they're the best rebounding team in the league. So when they block that ball, you're not getting the ball back, and it's just a it's a lost possession. Where sometimes if if a bad rebounding team is a blocking is blocking, they're giving up the offensive rebounds. That's not happening with the Hawks. Um, I have Hawks four two over the Knicks. Um. And I think that the Cameron will win a game or two on his own. I just think that that's the player he is. I just don't know that they have enough to really compete with a Jericho-led squad. Um, so if that were the matchup, I actually agree. I, I would have the Hawks winning in five games, actually. Just, you know, as much as, you know, the Knicks can move pieces around, it comes down to slowing down Jericho, and I think that's just not going to happen. Um you would have to try to win, you know, maybe three matchups somewhere else, maybe to give yourself a chance. And, um, you know, adding, you know, pieces like um, uh, Rafi Muniz to, to the squad has certainly helped with the scoring. I just don't know if the Knicks do it enough uh, in able to compete with the Hawks. Um, however, since I have the Sonics there, 
we're going to talk about it that way. So in the Knicks Sonic series, uh, I actually have the Knicks winning in seven, and it's purely because they have home court advantage. Um, in that series, uh, in the regular season, um, which was tied at two, always the home team has won, and it's been fairly decisive. Um, you know, the Knicks are still a very good home team and have all the pieces to think to match up with the Sonics. And I think in the end, the, the home court will make the difference. And there I have the Knicks moving on in seven. Well, I think it's a really interesting matchup. And this would be a matchup if this were to come to fruition and we had a six seed and a seven seed Knicks-Sonics matchup. I think that you get a lot of a lot of different unique matchups like kind of the same issue with with um you don't have the same issue you're going to be able to roll out barber at center against cameron and and cameron's not really going to be able to stop his outside shot he's got two outside offense um you know so they're both going to put up 35 in that entire series whitaker you know he's going to get prowl on him but his overall lack of defense outside of post isn't going to hurt them in this matchup. So now we bring it to Darwin and he's going to probably be on Hoskins. I would assume because I would assume that you would, you would move let B rap be on, on Jones. And it's just, it's going to be the matchup of can Jones slow B rat enough or can B rat slow Jones enough, even though Jones isn't the best scorer. He's, he's averaging 15 for this team. And that And that's a necessity when, neither their point guard or their small forward are averaging double digits. So I, I have the Sonics in seven, but you could convince me on a, on a, any day that the Knicks take this in seven. I'm just going to take Peters over Cameron Peters and Barber over Cameron and B rat, I guess would be a better way of putting it. Either way, that would be a that would be a really really fun and interesting matchup if it were to come to fruition. So for that to happen, obviously the Sonics have to upset the Hawks first. The Knicks have to upset the Suns. So we'll see how that even if that can even happen. Um, let's move on to the conference finals. Um, on the, in the Landers side, you got your Bulls and Lions, the rematch from last season that went seven games. Um, how do you feel about it this year? The Lions still have the same problem. They don't have that defend. Their center is locked in. Their power forward is locked in. Um, guys that has a five-drive defense, he is not good when somebody puts the ball on the ground against him. Zion is very good with the ball. Um, guys in not having a high foul rate is like probably the one thing that saves him because he's not putting Zion at the line. There's not as much free points. But I actually think the Bulls are as better as good as last year and um, as much as the Baldwin injury will hurt I still don't think that they can stop Zion in this series um, I'm going Bulls in seven a little bit of a, a same as last year I guess but I I just kind of see the same issue they couldn't stop him and I think having home court matters and um, yeah I, I, I'm going with Zion in seven all right, I'm actually going Lions in seven. I think that they get their revenge from last year and finally get over over that hump. And, um, you know, the 
I think the Baldwin injury will, will make will make a difference. Um, also, you know, they did add Holland instead of Hoskins, who's obviously you know a nice a nice piece. But Hoskins played well for them in in that series last year. It did make a difference. I think the Lions this year they figured out a way um, to get past it. So I'm I'm taking the Lions in seven. Um, I said from the beginning of the season that's my pick coming out of the Landros. I'm not backing out from that now when we're that close to it. So that's what we're rolling out with. The question is, who are the Lions, or in your case, the Bulls, going to face in the final? Um, so your in your bracket, you have the Warriors and Hawks. So talk about that one. No, I, I had the Jazz and Hawks. Oh, that's right. Sorry, you got the Jazz and Hawks. My fault. Yeah. So, I mean, we can talk about any permeation of what comes out of Maynard because I think that we can run this – playoffs 10 times and there's going to be a, a different conference final different um representative probably seven or eight times i really do i think that you know one injury one guy gets in fall trouble one series it's going to swing the whole series these are going to be some long grueling series um with that said i like the hawks um and I know that's counterproductive from the fact that the Jazz beat them in the last game of the regular season. But again, I think that when you can manipulate certain aspects of of a matchup, you'll get a little bit different results. And I just, I don't, I think that the main matchup is going to be if Roar is at shooting guard, I the Hawks should win that series. If he comes off of Roar at shooting guard, that's where you have the chance. Um, maybe Elliot goes to shooting guard, and I, I think Roar has small forward eligibility. Maybe, you know, that would be the only thing. I just, I don't know who he's benching. Like, I don't know how he's going to do his DC, and I think that's what intrigues me about the Jazz so much is because we know basically Powers is going to be at point guard. And then he has five guys for four spots. <coughs> He's got Roar, Elliott, Falwell, Mason, George. I haven't dug into this matchup content, like enough to know exactly how he's going to play it. But you're not benching Mason or Falwell. So you're either benching George or Elliott. And then he's going to pick what matchup he thinks is the best, and he's going to roll it out. Um, I just don't think it's going to matter. I like Jericho to, to win this series 4-3. And... I'm going against everything I say because I really do like what the Jazz put together, even moving Barber. But I'm I'm gonna go with the Hawks for three. All right. Uh, well, in my bracket, my bracket looks obviously a little different than yours at this point. So you know, we have the Warriors against the Knicks in the conference final. Um, and here, uh, I just think the Warriors are too much for the Knicks. Um, you know that that front court with Ballard and, and Weebs is just incredibly good. Um, and I just don't think the Knicks can, you know, match that scoring. Um, so there, I actually have the Warriors um, taking down the Knicks in six. And once again, I said it before, the Warriors are going to come out of the Maynard and I'm going to stick my guns to it. So I have a Lions-Warriors final. Um, you have a Bulls-Hawks final. Talk to me about your final and then I'll talk about mine. I would like to talk about one matchup that would be really, really interesting. 
and it can happen in the conference finals would be a Warriors Hawks. Yes. So if you're obviously you have the Sonics beating the Hawks, but say yours goes differently, you have Warriors Hawks. I think that that's one that would be an offensive versus defensive matchup. It would be chess pieces. It would be something where you almost are guaranteed that Weebs is going to be at center to stay away from Jericho, which means Ballard's going to be with Jericho. Um, you know, Edison's got to be on um, Evans. I think it creates a really fun matchup. I would take the Hawks in the series in seven, but it's not a series that I would be any sort of shock to see that Weebs come through and beat Dolanek and really dominate his matchup with Dolanek to, to make it matter. Um, what's your take on that before we go into um, our finals? Yeah, I mean, that's, that, that's a fun one. I think, you know, what can come down there is the fact, you know, Hawks have the home court advantage, um, which will make a difference. Um, that is, that's a series I, I could not go, I couldn't see any other way but seven. Um, I it's, I think the margins are so small, and they can, you know, it, it's going to be as as you said before, it's going to be you know who ha- gets in foul trouble in 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 game five when the series is tied at two, or you know who, um, I lost my train of thought here, but it's just I, it's it's so close, I don't even know what to tell you. I uh, I would want to say Warriors just because I you know I I've been I've been going been gung ho about the Warriors all season. Um, but if I was a betting man, I would want to make sure I spent, I spent zero dimes on that series because it's it a great way anywhere. bet bet that it's going to go seven and just get, sit back and watch a good series. Yeah, I absolutely agree. Absolutely agree. All right, well, let's talk about your finals. All right. Um, so the Hawks, I, I, they win a lot of the matchups in a lot of other series. Dolanek can't stop Zion. You can't slide Jericho over to center. You don't really have a backup center with any sort of drive defense. And Jones and Evans is kind of a wash. And I think that Soto can do enough against Jericho that the Bulls win the series 4-3. And I know it's not a sexy pick taking the, the reigning champ, but with how good the Lions are this year with how good six to seven teams in Maynard are this year for them to repeat would be quite a feat. We haven't had a lot of repeat champs. Um, pretty sure the last one was probably the Kings. If I had to guess. Um, and, you know, we're talking 10, 11, 12. I don't even know when that was 12 years ago, 13 years ago. I, I think that they get it done. I think that they show the championship medal. And I think that Zion's pissed he didn't win MVP. Yeah, well, there you have it. There you have it. Um, so, in my, obviously, you know, since I have to be different, um, I had the Lions and Warriors in the final. And as much as I want to holler and toot and be all about the Warriors, uh, and by the way, I believe and I really think that SCDN has done such a great job this year and it, it, it should should be getting the uh, 
GM of the Year award. I think he's done a phenomenal job with that team. Um, I actually have the Lions winning the KJ Trophy uh, in seven. I think that even though, you know, Weebs, if he ends up playing center, would probably feast on Giazza. Um, I think KJ at power forward, Dolan at small forward, and then Brunson at point guard are winning their matchups. And then you got somebody like Towels off the bench um, who adds the secondary scoring. And, you know, Forte was a great defender coming in. I think they're just a little bit too much. I think the bench pieces is that make the difference in, in that series. And I got the Lions winning in, in seven over the Warriors. And I'm going to be feel bad for a very good friend in CDN who's going to be that close. Um, but his time will come that I'm, that I'm sure of. Yeah. I, I can't sit here and say enough good things about SCDN. You know, we've, we as GMs have dabbled into baseball and college together. And, you know, we, we talk a ton, um, smaller on good guy. I root for him in, you know, most in the industries outside, if I was to face him in the finals, um, and what he's done with this team going from, you know, he gave a lotto two years ago with his picks already traded out to building this team through trades is impressive. Um, I know when I made my GM list, I kind of gave him crap for kind of giving up on guys too early. He traded both. I don't know if you were around, um, if you were doing this, if you were just coming up, but he, he traded both Patton and Bo, uh, Beaumont kind of early and they both progressed extensively when he traded them and he stuck around with Weebs this time and it's paid off. I'm happy to see it. Um, would not be upset with any, any of any of his success, but I just, I think there's too many more well-rounded teams this year, even if he has the best player in, in most series. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, it's the, the one thing that worries me about the Warriors is going out is, is, you know, this, the bench pieces is, is that team deep enough to, to go all the way and go through, you know, go through this rough road that they have to take to get there. But, um, as I said, I've I've been a big Warriors fan all season long, and I'm going to continue to be a cheerleader for them. And I really hope that they will make it to the finals. Um, and you know, as I said, I'm a fan of both Drizzy and SCDN. So if that's the actual final, then that's a win for win for me as as a as a fan of the sport because I like both teams. I like both GMs. Um, so there you have it. We got you know. Um, us on this show, we're picking the Lions. Kyle's picking the Bulls. Um, you know, we'll see what happens. We're really excited about, about this playoff run that's about to start. Um, but I cannot let you go. And I know this was not an interview about the Cavs. So hopefully down the road, we can actually make that happen. But I can't let you go without an off-the-wall question. So if you're ready, my friend, here for you. I know that you are a softball guy and have played plenty of softball. So... Let me ask you this. If there was one GM that you would love to strike out, who would it be? And secondary, if there's one GM that you would absolutely love to throw a ball at, um, given some high heat, who would that be? All right. So the high heat has got to be Kenye. Um, I just, I can't with him. He is... He just, I don't, I don't know what his, his purpose is. I really don't. I don't know if he's trying to just make sure that Ricky doesn't ever win again. Cause that's what it seemed like with some of the trades he's made, but 
it is what it is. Um, and as far as striking someone out, I'm I'm gonna go with Crest. Uh, BJ is probably second on the list, but Crest just likes to give it to me, and it would be nothing better than to watch him walk back to the dugout. Well, guys, there you have it. There you have it. Maybe maybe one day we can get we we can see a KVBL GM softball game for charity or something like that. So then you will get your chance. Anyway, Kyle, thank you so much for coming on the show. Um, we're going to be excited to see what you do with the number one pick in Cleveland. And, you know, with that young core adding a hopefully superstar to the, to the roster, um, hoping to see a lot of success for the Cavs moving forward. We're excited for future, future seasons. Hopefully when we do this, I can talk about what I expect my team to do in the playoffs. But, yeah. I was a little down this season with how we, how we uh, kind of regressed without actually regressing. Um, but, you know, we've moved towards the future and uh, thanks for having me. Oh, thank you for coming on and good luck in this off season and we'll see you next season. All right. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Well, there you have it.